I mean, it's not like secret. This isn't going straight to live, you know. No, it's all going uncut. Uncut <laughs> behind the scenes. Oh God! Have a Gives us the real takes uncut HD. You can hear. <laughs> oh my how God! Monty really feels. Oh, wait. So I do have a question about the unexpectables. Okay. Well, sure. yeah. So let's let's get back into this. So. <laughs> oh God. Um, okay. Sorry, someone someone said they had a question about the unexpected. Oh, or did you guys yes. want to do the intro first? I, I... Yes, welcome to Proficiency Bonus. This is a D&D comedy advice show. Uh, mostly a D&D sometimes giving advice. We try not to make a habit of it. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, <laughs> Jonathan, also known as the Mad Maker. I am one of your other hosts, uh, Faye, also known as Mendari. Uh, I caught her off guard there. So I was not she ready. Had to think about her name for a second. I was like, "What is my name? Who am I? Oh and, God!" <laughs> and joining us today for the first time on this young, fresh podcast that we've begun—you're not even ten episodes in—and we got our first guest, oh. uh, somebody you might know if you are into actual play D and D, and also some other stuff she does. She's gonna tell us about. Uh, right now, but please welcome Monty Glue, the DM oh. from the Unexpectables. They kidnapped me. Please send help. Uh, <laughs> Monty, you knew you weren't supposed to talk about that. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry. It's fine, I can edit that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Yeah, I'm Monty Glue. Um, it's it's a it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. I think most I'm people are gonna to know you from the Unexpectables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think most y- people will. You you make other content, right? I do. Uh, if you want to call it content, it's, it's content. <laughs> hey man. It's anything Tom you do you can be me. content if you believe. That's fair. Hard Hashtag everything is content. It contains something, doesn't it? Yeah, I am a variety streamer as well. I, I do mostly play. Um, I, I stream about twice a week. I play right now. I'm playing uh, Final Fantasy IX, which has been very delightful. Um, and I'm actually going through the Devil May Cry series. So I just kind of play random video games. Usually a new video game I've never played before and an old video game I've played before just, you know, to re-experience it with, with my chat and stuff like that. And we talk shop and they guilt me about my uh, D&D miniature purchases and whatnot. You know, it's just the full experience. You gotta get a 3D printer. I have one. And yet, oh, yeah. and yet it doesn't stop me. From what do you have? Uh, cubic. Any, uh, any, any cubic, cubic, I think. Photon. A photon? I think it's yeah, pho- that's what I got. Yeah, I got a photon. Yeah, it's cute. It's very nice. The only problem right. is that because I live in a cold climate, I can't run it throughout the year because you need to have airflow, right? Yeah. So, um, I have to open the window, but if it's like minus 30, I can't open the window. So. Oh, right. Are, you said you lived in Canada? I, yeah. I lived a, can, a northern bean. Are you part of the, the northern, uh, any cubic <laughs> photon owners Facebook group? Oh my god. Uh, I haven't I don't use Facebook, so no. Oh, all right. Well, I guess you don't need that too. You can just like search around in the, the forums and I, stuff. Um... But there's there's a couple things. There's um a few people have iterated a design for a heater that sits inside oh. the uh, the photon itself. Inside the, the box, the little chamber, so that it keeps your resin warm and it can print. Um oh, and it's, yeah, okay. it's just a little a few parts you'll have to order and do a little bit of tinkering together. It's but... mostly, usually for me, it's mostly just like the uh, opening the window just to so the air because, you know, resin is toxic. Yeah. So I have to keep the window open. And if it's really cold, then all the cold air comes into my apartment. So I, sure. I have to joke a bit because it's like, look, come on and let's talk about D&D. Hey, so 3D printers. Though. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no. Which is totally fine. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think one of you had a question though about the yes. unexpectables. Oh, so so Faye had some questions yeah. about um, <laughs> what you do because I don't okay. actually know. Are oh, oh great! Shame. I love this question. For <laughs> shame, Faye. I'm here to give you an existential crisis. No, um, <laughs> so I mostly wanted to know because you were like, oh, I will run the unexpectables like you can pry the unexpectables for my cold dead hand so i was just curious has it, has it always been the same characters or is that just like the name of your show and it changes or like what because so, I've, I've never seen it the unexpectables is is the definition of a happy accident in a way okay. um to give to give you kind of the back history of it was i graduated from university and i i came back home to this cold northern wasteland it's actually pretty nice here but um and i didn't know what to do well you know talking about existential crisis i didn't know what to do and at the time i was really getting to fifth edition um and i was a pathfinder person initially i actually ran a like two Ooh. to three year campaign in pathfinder um, but Pathfinder is a complicated duck, and I know, not I one. That's, that's my thing is that like, path, you know what? Don't. Pathfinder is one of those things that it's like if you're into it, that's totally fine. Yeah, I have yeah. no, I have no problem with people yeah. who like Pathfinder, Pathfinder or anything like that. I just can't stand. We're not personally. into pa Pathfinder is. Pathfinder is a is a, I mean I, I can't bash Pathfinder because it was my first system it was sure. the first system that I ever played in and for that I'm like thank you Pathfinder but it is a complicated system it is it has a lot of nuances to it which for some people is fantastic but for other people is you know can be a really big roadblock so it, it's I pretty was, it's pretty obtuse when you've never played TTRPGs before <laughs> no it is it is a scarier way to get into TTRPGs for sure I was just like um, I don't know what any so, of these things mean. <laughs> For me, my my whole thing was like I I really liked fifth edition because entering into fifth edition was so easy. Like it was it didn't take that much learning, and it was very quick to make characters. It was very quick to you know change things on the fly. And so um, I remember I came back home, and my brother at the time, like you know, we were chatting and stuff, and I was he was asking me a lot about D and D because D and D was really starting to really pick up with you know critical role kind of sure. spearheading at that time and whatnot, and like. Uh, my brother started asking me just random questions and me being oblivious and kind of a moron was just answering. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this, that, and this other thing about it. Cause I was again, really into fifth edition. And I remember at one point I, I got my physical copy of the fifth edition rule book. So I had my, my hardcover copy. It came in the mail. I had it. I took a picture of it and I posted it to Twitter and I'm like, Hey, I got my fifth edition rule book in like, this is going to be fun. And I remember my brother messaged me being like, okay, you can be the DM. And I'm just like, what like I was like what, oh. are, what are you talking about and he's just like I really want to stream d and I think it'd be really fun I've always wanted to get into it and he's like do you want You're to be the, the only DM? one with the book <laughs> yeah and he's like do you want to be the DM and you need to know this I didn't like I was getting into D&D fifth edition and my only experience was playing in a one-off as a bro like that was my only experience so I'm sitting here with a book in my hands and my brother going like we're gonna do this big thing and I'm just like do I say no here or do I just see what happens? And I mean, I just graduated. I had nothing to do. And I'm like, I was like, you know what? Can I swear? Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> All right. I just said, I'm like, fuck it. Let's do it. And I, I did it. And I was terrified. If you ever go back and listen to like the first episodes of uh, The Unexpectables, like I am absolutely terrified the entire time because literally I had one month to learn the entire system so cover to cover, I had to read the player's handbook. I had to make a homebrew game. I had to consider everybody's characters and what their goals and where their where they came from was. A month um, is plenty of time, right? Uh, which 
I literally, like, you ever see, like, in a TV show where there's, like, a person who has, like, the conspiracy wall and they're just, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, doing that? I remember I spent five hours one day after uh, doing work because I was working at the same time, I think, around the same time. But I remember for five hours I was sitting down and I made all of my gods in five hours. Every single god in the universe for that game was in five hours. Uh, mechanics of the city was in like an entire day and this was like pacing back and forth and like lying down on the floor and looking at the ceiling like it was a lot of (laughs) you could see the steam coming out of my head as someone who just came off of seven hours of world building on a stream (laughs) i totally get that i'm like the entire time just sitting there like i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) yeah and the other thing too was like it's picking and choosing how much you want to make before you actually run the game because i'm i'm of the mindset where if you're going to make a setting or a world it should evolve with the players as they you know Mm -hmm. explore with it because if you try and do everything all at once before doing it it causes two problems one um you can't really expand that much once you've kind of set things in stone you know what i mean like if you have Mm -hmm. a map and you're like oh it'd be really cool if there was like you know you know this was here but it's like oh but the map's already filled in i can't put that there yeah it allows you that if you kind of come up with an idea later you can at least like have like blank spaces to kind of slot it in that sort Mm -hmm. of thing Uh, And the other thing, too, is what it does is um, for the players, if, you know, this is always the thing about being a a DM and anyone who's DM'd will know this. Nine times out of ten, you could spend, like, weeks on something and your players will go the opposite direction. (laughs) And, And you have to pick and choose at that point. Um, So for the Unexpectables, it was, I had a baseline. I'm like, I need gods. I need the location where the story is going to take place. I need the city that the story is going to be centralized around. And that's all I'm going to need. And then from there, I'm going to know what, after playing a few sessions, I'm going to know like what to do. I had one quest. And after that quest, I'm like, that's going to set me off for what I need. Like a video game, right? You have a video game that gives you a tutorial. And from that tutorial, it expands out. Um, So I remember sitting down making characters. We did it all together. Um, and I made mistakes. I still look back and I'm like, God, I was a moron. But I, I only had a month to learn the system. So, of course, I didn't know what I was doing. And we slowly have fixed things over time, uh, like redoing some stat stuff. We've we've adjusted health pools, things like, like little minor, almost like um, patch notes for video <laughs> games. Like, is how it feels. Um, I think that's normal. But, yeah, yeah, but we started this game out and we were just playing. And How long ago like, did you guys start? I think it was, it was around, I think it was a week after my birthday. Um, oh, yes. Okay. That tells me exactly when it was. Yeah. So uh, I think it's about going on three years now because we oh, started wow. after I graduated. When was I, when did I start getting really sick? That I know that's a bad basis, but that legitimately, 2018. Yeah. 2018 is when we started. Um, June, 2018, I think is when we started. So coming up I'm on three years. Sick. Yeah, we're coming up on three years, yeah. Nice. So we just started playing, and it was just for fun. And we had this first arc, and uh, we didn't record for the podcast until after the first arc. But the first arc was like, I had this idea in my head where I'm like, this would make for a really good small adventure, but hey, this would be a really good lead into a bigger adventure uh, where they had to find this girl who got kidnapped. Um, they had to go help up this villager. His daughter got kidnapped. And I remember one of the jokes, because the players... And I did not force them to do this. This was all their choice. We have uh, an orc, not a half orc. We have an orc, but he has half orc stats just for the sake of ease. Uh, we have an orc, we have a kobold, we have a kenku, and we have a tiefling. And so any time throughout the oh, entire first oh, five episodes, yeah, for the entire first 
every time they ran into an NPC and they were like, hey, we're here, we were sent by, you know, so-and-so to come help you. Everyone's like, well, you're not who we expected. Like, because, like, they're these gaggle of weirdos. Sure. So, jokingly, like, by, I think, the end of, like, the first or second episode that we actually streamed, I think, like, they were like, we should be called the Unexpectables. And that's how the show became the Unexpectables, was that they basically just, like, you know, no one expects us ever. So we're the Unexpectables. <laughs> because they, they expect, like, these heroes or, like, you know, these sort of stereotypical, like, hero people they get these you know yeah, weird like shining armor sort yeah. of a... instead you get a, a, a tiefling rock star a, a, <laughs> a orc barbarian who's who can't read and a a cobalt who's extremely like um uh what would you say fiery i would say spicy boy and then you got a a ninja a ninja bird we do great. Love, we do love us a spicy boy oh yeah he's a spicy he was really spicy early on too say, but I, that's I, I respect oh. the name that they came up with because uh, yeah. a lesser group would have gone with the spanish inquisition oh yeah yeah yeah. no it was it was it's too it was easy cute, too low hanging fruit and it was and again, it was just like, why not? I'm like, why not? That's that's funny. I like it. It's cute. And that's what we've been ever since is the Unexpectables. Um, so, Dude, naming stuff is so hard. I can't yeah, remember. I can't remember what our name. Oh, oh, my God. So in in a game that I had on on my channel that uh, is no longer running, we we were constantly finding ourselves like very directly in the middle of everything, both in like a, a business sense of like, okay, well, we're not selling a product, but we are selling a product to this person for this other person. And mm -hmm. we were kind of the the council's like plaything of whatever. So we, we would call ourselves the middlemen all the time, which I think is <laughs> so dumb as a name. But hey. But like, that was, that was who we were. And I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> all the time. It, uh, like, it's funny how sometimes just it becomes, like, it's less of, like, coming up with the name and it's just, like, adjusting to a name that it you just, just have. You just kind of stumble yeah. into it. <laughs> Which, I, that's why I, I'm, like, I want to resist. I'm, like, yeah, that's cute. It's fine. It's not offensive. So I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, and then sometimes we've had moments where things like that happen. And, um, I mean, I could give examples. But, like, The Unexpectables generally was, like, it started off and it always will be. It's a game that's supposed to be fun. And, like, for the players, it's, like, it's a fun experience and, like, Anytime anyone asks me, like, how do you make a good D&D game? I'm like, you don't make a good D&D game. You make a fun D&D game. Yeah. Like, you think about your players. And you also think about yourself, too. Because mm -hmm. if you're not having a good time either, it your players won't either. Like, that's just the way things happen. Like, a lot of times I hear people giving advice. It's just like, you got to make sure you're, all your players are super happy and, you know, always doing everything perfectly for them. Which is partially true, but... You yourself are a player in a way, mm -hmm. um, so you also need to be having a good time as well, and you know, be a little self-indulgent at times. Obviously, you don't want to railroad, and you don't want to, you know, force the players to do something they don't actually want to do. But like, I'll put in stuff that I like, you know, like I'll put in um, like creatures that I think I I really enjoy, and like stuff like that because it's just you know that's fun for me, but it also would be fun for players as well. Like it doesn't take away from their experience either, and that's like the tricky balance you have to find. But it's part of the fun, I think. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And also, like, and if your group isn't having fun, then like, no one's gonna have fun watching you. <laughs> mm -mm. Oh no, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, I. It is a different beast entirely. I'm sure you, you, you have experience as well. Like when you are streaming in front of people who are watching you play, there is a pressure. Um, mm -hmm. I'm very stern. Now I'm very much like firm about things, but like 
Um, I make sure my players are not in the chat unless I have need someone specifically in the chat. That's that is a rule I have. Yeah, they are not allowed guest stars as well. Whenever I come in, I give them a set of rules, and like that is the number one rule is they are not allowed to be in the Twitch chat because Twitch chat will want to influence what they're doing or will try to feed them information, which I think overall takes away from the experience. It's a distraction. It takes away from the experience. I don't think it. I mean, you're there to play D&D. You're not there to be someone's, hey, your middleman, there you go, your middleman for someone else to play your own character. Um, and, it, and it's hard, and I get it. It's exciting, you know, to you see how people are reacting to what you're doing. But you can go back and you can see that through Twitch VODs and, and comments and things like that anyway. So that's, that's one of the main things. So do you um, also not watch chat? Nope, I'm completely, I do not watch chat. Um, the only time I ever look at chat is if there is an issue on the stream side because I manage the stream side of things. Sure. And I'll click over to make sure everything's okay and, and then I immediately click away. I will go through the Twitch VODs and I will read the chat going through, watching through the video just to see what people liked. If people pointed out mistakes, I'll go down, I'll write down notes every time um, and change things and adjust things. And it's work, but it's worth it because it's also to my player's benefit as well if I just keep improving each time we play. It's yeah. very interesting because I had a very opposite mentality when I when like we were all streaming it. Like we all, for the most part, people who could, some people didn't have like the ability because mm -hmm. of internet. But like we were all in chat and like talking <laughs> in game and like doing all this stuff. And then when one person would be doing something, we'd be like, hee hee hee. We... I that was I I DM'd for uh, another group I, I DM'd for roleplay at one point and that threw me off like I actually was like because I I remember I wasn't in the chat at all when I was DMing I was focused on DMing and I remember going through the vod and I saw my players like chatting to the cast and there was a part of me that's just like one half I'm like okay I'm the guest here like I just came in and I ran a game and like I'm the guest here but there was another part of me that's just like I feel like you missed out on something by doing this you know what I mean like it's we uh, it's a difference to me yeah we go back and i go back and forth on it um we often mm -hmm. have the the players in the chat just kind of at their own discretion partially because we're just we're not that big to the point where we have a handful of mods um mm. keeping stuff down uh the other thing that's kind of just vicariously developed is the chat almost functions as our notebooks mm. <laughs> things that like that... we would have remembered if we were keeping better notes, but like <laughs> I'm not keeping great notes because I'm also producing the show. Um, mm. And like, we got a few players that keep good notes, but it's, it's one of those things. But where, they also like, keep notes like per that pertain to them. They're not necessarily taking yeah. notes for everyone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah and sometimes I... the DM forgets stuff too. So like, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, but I definitely like, see the other side of it of like, yeah, I, I'm not saying like, oh, if you do that, you're mm. bad. It's just like, no, if that's yeah. what you want to do and that's the way you run your ship, that's totally fine. Just for me, it's like, I, I don't know, like to me, it's just like, especially online when you play D&D &D online, it's like you kind of remove that intimacy when you play in yeah. person. And I feel like, you know, sure. doing that makes it a little bit more intimate yeah. overall. And it also makes the players, you know, in those moments where like we have moments in the Unexpectables where like. You know, there'll be a scene between, you know, two characters off on their own and then the other players, you know, they're not there. But we've had such funny moments because they'll be having a conversation and then the people who are just, the, you know, the peanut gallery who are not in the scene are like contributing to what's actually happening kind of, you know, offhand comments sort of way, which is always really fun. Yeah. 
Again, like it's, their it's, it's mystery theater like, three thousand no. in your own game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, or like, or like something will happen, and like I remember there was one scene we had like a very serious scene, and you, I can hear the other players because they're not looking at the chat; they're in the moment, and like they're, I can hear them biting their knuckles and going, "Oh my god!" Or like, like actually, like, mm-hmm. like commenting. They're trying not to be heard, but I could hear them talking, like going, "Like, oh geez," or if in a funny moment they're trying not to laugh, like that sort of stuff is amazing, and I, I love it, that. And this it's is so, why I go back to and me, forth on it. I love it. Because mm-hmm. I think we definitely have times occasionally where a scene will occur and then we'll go to the next scene and mm. somebody like clearly Wasn't did not attention. catch yeah. what just happened. Because something will come up and they'll be like, wait, what? You just what? Is This just happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were sitting yeah. there. What were it's you also- doing? It's also, um, and this is also the reason why I do it too, is I actually have a background in singing as well. Like I, I've I sung, I guess I say professionally, but I, I was trained for like 16 years, which is a ridiculous amount of time looking back on it. And one of the things about when Monty's you're performing- album when? <laughs> uh, you, are, you are not the only person asking that. I released a song recently for a new show that we just actually announced, but- mm. um, one of the things about performances is that part of being a performer is you also have to, you know, if someone's going to sit down and watch you perform, you also need to be willing to sit down and watch them perform too. Like that's part of it. So whenever I play in a tabletop game, it's like, yeah, I'm going to have my moment, but other people are going to have their moments too. And you know, they listen to my moment. I should listen to their moment. It's kind of like a two way street. It's like, you know, being a good friend, I guess, if that makes sense. That might be a bit more dramatic, but I hope that makes sense. Just being respectful of other people's time, too. And and also, like, to your other point, the reactions of other cast. That's why we we keep everybody's faces on the screen, too. And as we're going into, I'm Mm -hmm. kind of revamping some production stuff where, like, when there's a (laughs) scene happening between one player and a DM or two players or whatever, they'll be highlighted. Mm -hmm. But keeping everybody else on the screen, because one of the things we do hear from our audience is it's everybody else's reactions yeah, to yeah, things yeah. that help inform, like, especially if they're newer to the show, help inform this is a very significant moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, um, it's definitely different for us because we are only audio. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that's always the way it's going to be. We're always going to be audio. Um, I'm allergic to cameras. They'll burn into, fl- I'll burst into flames if a camera looks at me. <laughs> that's a joke. But, um, oh, like, it was? Yeah, uh, yeah. Shh. Like, sh- <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I totally get that. I, I um, my sorry, my train of thought just just crashed and poof, exploded. Cameras um, reaction. I'm people thinking. On screen. <laughs> I'm trying to think of examples of when this sort of thing was really really funny. But we had. I, I just keep going back. I, we had this moment. I, are you guys okay if I tell a story? <laughs> just kind of yeah. to give an example yeah, of what I mean. Absolutely. So we had a moment where the party was under in the underdark, which if any if you guys have ever been in the underdark in in, in Dungeons and Dragons is not a place you want to be no. usually. Um, it's pretty scary. And um, one of the things they were going through these really narrow tunnels, and as they were going down the tunnels, they heard this noise, and they listened in and they saw a gazer. It was a little gazer that was like like just like messing around with like a stone body like like someone who was petrified and so they're like we gotta sneak past this thing and so they all made their own stealth checks to walk past this gazer uh, but what they didn't know is that one of them failed because obviously like rolls and you kind of keep it hidden um so in my mind i'm like okay well the gazer knows that they're there and it's going to follow up behind them and it's going to use its jettison beam to throw them into the next room that contains two umber hulks like, that's my All brain. Right. I'm like, okay, they failed this, which means this is going to happen, which is going to lead to this. But I'm like, but I have to give them a fair chance to hear it following them. 
So my brother's character, which was Bork, he was in the end of the line, and he was the orc barbarian who's an idiot, but an he's orc lovable. Named Bork. Like, yeah, Borky. Borky the orc barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to it's time to get Orky, it's time to get Borky raw, is his is his little <laughs> mantra, which is very cute. That's adorable. Yeah. And so like he was he was up on the rear. We had our ranger in the front, and I'm like, okay, like, you know, Borky roll a perception check for me. Because we don't use passive perception. Like if, if something's sneaking up on them, I let them roll a perception check. Sometimes mm. I'll just randomly make them roll a perception check even though something is not following them, which is just amazing. Keep running sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, keep them paranoid. That's the and that's so, the best thing, that and then just like rolling dice and people being like, What was that for? And you're like, you don't, you don't, don't worry know. about it. Yeah, don't <laughs> worry about it. Yeah. Every time and they don't know whether or not it's real. So he rolls perception. And he rolls really high and he the gazer rolls really badly. And so like he's the only one who notices it. And the rest of the party does not know. The rest of the party is looking forward, going up ahead in this tunnel. And my brother turns around and he sees the gazer. And he could have, you know, pointed it out to his party members. He could have like like attacked it. And you know what he does? He points the other way they came. Like he doesn't say anything. He just points back where the gazer came from. And I'm just like, and everyone else, like in 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 the call, obviously, who's not aware that this is happening, just starts laughing their asses off. Like everyone just starts laughing, and he points the opposite way. And I roll. I'm like, roll a persuasion check. You know, like roll a persuasion check because he's trying to like convince it, like don't follow us. <laughs> like go like, away. You know what I mean? Like go away. Yeah. So I'm like, roll a roll a roll a persuasion check. He rolls like an eighteen. Which is pretty high for him. I roll for the gazer. The gazer's an idiot. So the gazer just turns around and floats away. And no one else in the party was aware of it. And everyone just started laughing and crying and like... like if it works. I, oh, they were howling. They were all laughing. Oh like I was laughing too. We were laughing for probably two minutes. But like everyone was paying attention to the scene. And it like it was really funny. I just... I just... <laughs> Poor, poor Zito, our kobold player. He was like, he was like hyena laughing. It was great. Like, what a moment. Sorry, I just, my brain went there when we were talking about, you know, like if you're distracted, you might miss out on moments. And that was such a moment that could have been missed out on. And yeah. they were all there and they were all present in the moment. And it made this, it made it so much funnier. Like, that's oh, fair. oh my goodness. <laughs> no, I definitely think that's no, true. Fine. Do you feel like, I, with your group at least, is there a hmm. big difference between home game and playing for an audience because i feel uh, like we oh yes. do we oh, consciously yes. you know we think about the show differently we think about it like a show mm -hmm. and um yeah i mean like i run home games for my local friends and they're completely different people um i think the benefit to running a game for an audience is especially if you have people who are more actors and improvise you know really good at improvisation it it, it is kind of a balance between the audience and that um i know for me like i, I and i'm very open about it with the people who watch the unexpectables I, I i'm on the discord quite frequently i hover a lot i tend to lurk around a lot mm -hmm. um but like i mean people ask like you know like oh can this be canonized and stuff like that and i'm like i'm like no like i'm like there's stuff that is going to be canonized and stuff that's not going to be canonized and the influence of a of a chat generally does not affect that and i always try to like not be yeah. swayed that way because you know it is fun and like for joke stuff like i'll be like all right it's unconsequential right i'm like it's unconsequential yeah. and stuff like that but generally speaking it's just like you know this is ultimately everything i do um 
I don't think like, oh, this will be entertaining for the chat. I'm like, oh, this will be really engaging for the player. And then as a result, you know, chat would probably enjoy it. Yeah. Um, case in point, in a recent episode, they actually fought on the back of a rock. Like they were on the back of a giant rock and having this big fight. Okay. And like when I was designing that, I'm like, this will be really cool because you're going to have one person who's going to have to like, you know, like cowboy like you know take over driving this giant bird and then you're gonna have everybody else fighting on the wings of a bird against these like air elementals and then there's gonna be rocks coming up and they're gonna have like actual rocks not more birds but like you know stone structures and they're gonna have to like shit like that yeah and so they're gonna have to maneuver the bird and then the map's gonna change the bird you know with the the, with the wings tucked in and stuff like that and it was just like i'm like this will be really fun for the (laughs) party they're really gonna like this so oh Oh, god yeah Oh yeah, it was, and it was so like the players were loving it, and I was loving it too as a DM because they had to like run around on the back of this bird while also fighting, and like one person had to like drive, and it was like this really tense moment because they could have fallen off, and they were in the elemental plane of air, so they would have fallen to nothing. So it was like there was really high stakes too, and like like I remember the chat just loving it. Like the chat was like, this is such a cool fight, this yeah. is really interesting, and but ultimately like my initial idea was just like what would be a really cool fight for my players with the abilities that they have? Like we have a griffin rider, so he's got to steer this bird and it's not a bird that he's used to and he's like freaking out about it. And it was, and he was also fighting while driving too. Like it was great. Like it was like, that sort of stuff is like, initially it's just like, okay, something fun for the players. And then it translates to fun for the the chat. Um, I think obviously there's stuff. I think there's some stuff that we do trim down on, like things like shopping and like general downtime. Shopping episodes, best episodes. (laughs) They're usually pretty good, but sometimes it's just like, I need ball bearings. It's just like, we'll just do that off stream. Like you don't need to go through a whole scene to do that. But if there's like specific items they really want that could be really interesting to go get, like then we'll have those moments. But that's probably the only major thing I think that changes with having an audience is that when it comes to sort of general shopping or general like uh, resource management that tends to happen off stream where it's, you know, we can take more time and slow things down and it doesn't eat into, you know, the cool fun adventure and seeing magical things and, you know, or just Zen and sort of festival episodes and things like that. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, I'm on the same page with that where it's like, you can, there are things we would probably spend more time doing if we Mm -hmm. didn't have an audience, just a lot of the ruin around stuff that's not it's not telling you anything new about anybody it's not moving anything forward and it's not actually that funny we're just enjoying it but for the most part i don't think it changes that much because i feel like 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 kind of to your point earlier people say you know the dm should be there to entertain their players i I think that's in a perfect table that's true because Mm -hmm. then the players by the same token should be there to one reinforce what the dm is trying to do and two to entertain the dm like mm-hmm. i go into oh, yeah. a game oh, yeah. a, a session playing with the goal of i want to i want to delight my dm today i want to make them laugh i want to surprise wow, them with something yeah. <laughs> hey it's not you take that back <laughs> no, i think that's because if you if the alternative is everybody everybody's just thinking about, about the themselves. audience or about I mean, yeah, or you are the audience it yeah. plays into a little bit of like the first episode that we ever had on the podcast which is like someone asked a question that was like what is D? is it evil uh, and oh no um, <laughs> is it evil well, i mean to your wallet yeah <laughs> it is so we had this whole entire conversation about like um about like <laughs> defining evil but also like um how 
how like selfishness comes into play a lot in D and D, and how like you need to balance like yes, you want your character and your character story to be one thing, but also you need to realize that like you are telling a story with everyone else at the table, including mm. your DM. And can I? Can I can I give a piece of advice on that? Because I get asked that a lot of the time too. It's just like, how do is I make evil? a really good? Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Oh, well, I mean, it's evil again to your wallet. It destroys your wallet and <laughs> it's expensive hobby. Um, if you let it be, but um, uh, dice are one just of the so pretty. Of, oh, they are. You've got a good goblin. You're like a goblin. I need the clickety clack. I have like at um, least four sets on my desk right now. Oh, oh! You should. I have. <laughs> I, I have a so bag of bucket? shame behind Three. me. Well, I have dice. I like. I have a bag in the other room. Actually, probably two <laughs> bags in the other room. And like okay. inside of a binder, there's like a net thing that's just filled with them. And then I have a purse that I put a bunch of dice in temporarily. I. If it weren't for the fact that Canadian shipping was so brutal, I would probably have a problem. If I lived in America, I probably would have way too many dice. But because shipping is so rough on small objects coming into Canada, it does temper my spending, uh-huh. which is kind of a blessing nice. in disguise. <laughs> uh, but back to the original thought, uh, when it comes to, you know, you don't want to be a selfish player. One of the things, and I can't take a credit for this. I, I actually did some Adventures League to experience a lot of the original D&D Ugh, content because I thought... Adventures League is a mixed bag, and I, I I played in Curse of Strahd with three other people, and it was us tucked in the corner while the Magic the Gathering people refused to leave, and that was my experience, my first experience with Adventures League, and it was great. I loved Adventures League, and one of the things that I learned when I made my Adventures League character, because it was it's a completely different beast than like say playing with your friends. There's certain rules involved. You can't make characters a certain way, just you know to make things balanced and whatnot. Um, but one of the things was that when I was making my first Adventures League character, and this taught me a lot, was that the person who was like, I can't remember who it even was. I just looked how to how to make a good Adventures League character. Like, I just looked it up on YouTube, right? Just like, let's see what people have to mm-hmm. say. And one of the best pieces of advice, and I think just in general, is that when you make a D&D character, no matter what you write for their backstory, no matter how well developed their relationships are with, you know, their 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 past you know, characters and NPCs they've run into in the past, you need to write down a reason why they need other people. Every single time. It does, if your character's the lone wolf rogue, they still need a reason to want to hang out with everybody else. They need a reason to need somebody else in whatever their goal is overall in their life or in their personality. And so for my first Adventures League character... I made him a glorified cheerleader. <laughs> he would not work unless he was work. He was fighting with somebody else. He was a hype man, and he was the best, <laughs> and I loved him for it because he was an idiot. But he believed in you, <laughs> and that was what made him really fun. Because like we'd have the other players, and they would look to my character to you know help them in these terrifying moments. You know to like you know like you can do it. Don't give up. I believe in you, and and stuff like that. So I think. If there's anything to take away in terms of advice, it's like if you're making a character, always think about why they need someone else because people do need other people. And that's just, you know, it doesn't matter how cool, you know, Midnight Black, the the the, the, the assassin the rogue dark, edgy is. rogue, yeah. Yeah, he needs, he's there in a group of people and he needs them for a reason. And you, you need to think about what that reason is. And it has to be solid and it has to be, you know, and that, that will be a vehicle to make you a fantastic role player and to work with other people really well because you'll always have that to fall back on to, you know. Mm-hmm. I, so. I think I'd uh, add on to that 
because I this was a mistake I made when I made my first character and I started playing D and D for you know the show um, that we're still going on for the channel and mm-hmm. uh, a few episodes in I realized this and I was like I I can't find any reason with the person I've presented thus far why he would keep hanging out with these people and yeah. go on this endeavor and so I talked to the DM. So let me throw out to anybody who's already in a campaign, you feel like you made this mistake, you don't have to kill your character off unless you want to. No, no, no. But either way, go to your DM. And I was like, hey, uh, give me a reason that he wants to. Let's, next session, let's open up. We'll do some kind of scene with this. Because again, we've got to think about the audience. So I don't want to just like be oh, like, yeah, ah, yeah, he's yeah. like this now. So, but it's real easy to, to just be like, let's just come up with something. Whatever you come up with, I'll run with it. I'll, it'll, it'll, he'll yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% feel super important about whatever it is that you throw in front the next thing you throw in front of his path you can also talk to your fellow players too and be like hey you know you know how your paladin like came in and ahead of me and saved my life now i feel indebted to your your character now like i feel like you saved my life and maybe i owe you now and that's why i want to keep going is you know to prove that you know like I appreciate what you did for me. And um, I had a character that was like a super lawful character to the point of like evil. Like she was basically lawful evil almost. And like her whole thing is the reason she stuck with other people is because she was so used to taking orders that she Mm -hmm. didn't know how to function without orders. So she found a group of people and she she needed them to- She functional. Oh, she was not functional. And she- um, she she had she was a very interesting character. She was in Raven. She was in Ravenloft as well, which is even better. Um, but like she legitimately would follow the party because she wanted someone with some sense of authority to give her orders because that's all she knew, yeah. and that's why she needed to be with other people. She couldn't go it alone. No one would give her own or, like orders if she's by herself. She'd just would be spiraling. Be <laughs> yeah, she'd be like, oh god. So the moment she found a group of people, like she's just like okay give me orders what am i doing like give me my orders and they're just like what are you talking about <laughs> like are you crazy yeah um so like stuff like that it doesn't have to be like you know it doesn't have to be like a huge friendship thing it could be again a personality thing too like maybe maybe your character is afraid of being alone maybe your character is you know yeah. wants to be the apprentice to somebody it's neat and it's a cool thing thing to think about as you're making your character as well because it's you know gets the brain juices going <laughs> yeah and for mine what the dm ended up throwing up throwing out at me it was uh like this goblin respects you yeah <laughs> this, he loves you. this particular goblin really looks up to you i uh, was the gist of the scene and it was like oh okay nobody had he doesn't feel like anyone's ever respected him before he will <laughs> hang around to impress this goblin that's adorable. Nice. That's cute. But that's totally, that's all it needs to be. It doesn't yeah. have to be super crazy. It can be something really simple, but it is important. It's very, very important to have it. I think just to, again, not be a selfish player I, because yeah. D&D is a multiplayer experience. It is not a single, I mean, it can be, you could do like one-on-one sessions, sure. but. But even then it's like, still multiplayer. You're you still playing with someone it is, else. Yeah, it's <laughs> you can do one on zero, so you can do solo D&D. Uh, mm, it's, it's just so do. sad. That's uh, all I do. <laughs> It's fun. I've, I actually did it for the first time recently, and it's different, but it's definitely very intimate with the other player, and not in like a like a relationship mm. sort of way, but just in like a sort of like you know experience. Yeah. Oh, one on one sessions really are so thing. good, man. Because you don't have to feel like bad about taking up anyone else's time too. No, that's exactly. something that like I found, especially especially in like a show format. Um, where you want ever you don't want to feel like you've steamrolled someone else like yes you never want to feel like that in a game normally but like especially when like 
people are watching and you want Mm -hmm. most people like sure some people will shine out in like in certain episodes but most of the time you want it to be a big like collaborative thing and so it's one of those things where it's like well you know in one-on-one DD, i can just spend an hour talking about this thing that's the thing Mm -hmm. that my character cares about instead of being like yeah and i'll finish up this conversation real quick because we got to get back to everyone else let's go you know yeah. Two, two, two strategies I figured out to help with that um, is, and again, I'm not like, this is just what I find works again. Like all this, this is like art, like doing a and d session is like art. It's, it's subjective. It's completely subjective. I mean, there's certain techniques to help, but um, the two things I've done is number one is you got to talk to your players. So, you know, if you think in a session, like you think that person's not going to have as much time, you should probably talk to them before the session starts to be like, Hey, like this might be kind of leaning towards this um is there anything we can come up together that might be something we can get you you know like to have you engaged more um Mm -hmm. the other thing that i do is whenever i am writing for the next session um generally depending on the players i will make a list of each of those players characters and what the thing in the next session they could do is possibly um i've had it where i've written out stuff to make sure everybody's included and the one person's like no i don't want to do it and i'm like okay and i just throw it over my shoulder that happens that's that's just the way things go but at least you have that option there so then that way you can include everybody um the other thing too is also having uh not too many people in a game will also make that a lot easier i i find that six is my maximum four is my comfort level yep yep Um, i feel the same way four is my four in a dm is my ideal three is fun but like mm-hmm. makes makes balancing encounters a little bit difficult. You gotta you gotta be kind of like a little bit more finagly with that. Five is fine. Six is personally too many for me. I've been in a lot of six player games. I'm just like, there's so many people here. I'm running for six right now in the Unexpectables. We have two guest stars actually in right now. Um, one of the guest stars has told me that he wants to be quieter for this actual arc because he's quite busy. So that's totally fine. And he's mostly there. Just you know, he, he chimes in on occasion. His character's rather quiet. Um, and then the guest star meshes really well with one of the players. So it's like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it unless I knew it was going to be okay. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I would be scared too. And we did have a lot of crosstalk at the beginning and it was like, kind of like, and I, I I had to sit down with the players and be like, okay, this is the nature of it. And this is going to be, make it harder as we progress forward. So just, you know, be conscientious, keep this in mind, you know, but again, it's, Communication is key. I'm doing a thumbs up. You can't see it. I don't have a camera here, but <laughs> our season finale was for the, we had like the two shows that you know intermingled. So the finales were often crossovers. So it was eight players, mm. and each player had two PCs because it was an alternate oh. worlds colliding storyline that was coming to a Oh head. my god! So the entire episode I was like, I think two hour or two rounds of combat. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that sounds about oh right for that many God. people. It was, I don't recommend it. But no, I think no. the other thing, um, from a player's perspective, like, mm-hmm. I think too much gets put on, here's the DM's responsibility, here's the DM's responsibility. Nobody talks enough about the player's responsibility. And I think mm-hmm. they have the same responsibility to entertain their DM, and they also have the same responsibilities like being flexible. Everybody says, like, oh, mm-hmm. well, a good DM is going to be flexible and take us where the story is going or, you know, where we want to take the story. At the same time, like, you have to be flexible with your character. 
I think it's well, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, like also like if the DM is very obviously like this is the thing that I've set up for you, yeah. please go do it. Even if they don't <laughs> say it, it's shitty to be like nah. Yeah, <laughs> like you can do that every once in a while of like oh well, there's this side note thing that they said, but also this really big thing that's happening. But we're kind of more interested in this, and that's fine. But to like be like I don't want to do any of the shit that you've prepped. I'm gonna go right. do something else. Is like yeah, it's like you gotta you gotta take the bait sometimes. But you gotta, also <laughs> if they throw something at you like oh and then you meet this person and hey you the bard you recognize this person from when you were a kid and this was your relationship to them like don't be salty about it they're adding to your backstory and if that changes something slightly mm-hmm. let it change slightly but i think a lot of people get caught up not only in where their character has been but where they want their character to go and I think it's mm-hmm. it's good to think as your character and where your character wants to go and what they want out of life. But there's a difference between what your character wants and what you want for your character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always recommend, um, like, I actually just had a conversation, like, literally before coming on with, with some of my, I'm going to be joining a game, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, one of the things is, like, at least for me as a DM, and your DM, all DMs will be different. Some DMs are going to want the saga of Dave the human fighter. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they're gonna want... Level one. Yeah, level one human fighter who fought in the great wars of whatever hero. Yeah, like that sort of... But they, <laughs> yeah, they're, like there, are DMs who, there are DMs who are gonna want a lot of backstory, a lot of detail, but you're gonna have other D- DMs who are just like, okay, you're gonna get your character's story through playing. You know what I mean? Like, there's kind oh, of the I know someone who, like, the reason that they love Strahd is because it's like, cool, you wrote all that backstory stuff? Great. I'm not going to read it. You can use it to inform your character. We're going to go into Strahd where it doesn't matter. You don't Literally. know anyone here. Yeah. I I have had with the Unexpectables, and this is what's going to happen when you run a game, is you're going to have people coming in who want to write, you know, the saga of Dave, the human fighter. And then you're going to have other people coming in who are just like, my character might want to do this. Um, so like I had, I, I, I'm not going to throw him under the bus and he he's great and I love him. Uh, but Gaijin Goomba, who is, he plays Greckles. He had... I like a whole we joke about it now and he takes it in stride and I I, here's the thing too I I will never denounce a player for being overly excited for something because I'd rather have a player who's more excited for something than who just does not care like if I have to pick between the two Uh, but he sent me way too much like he sent me a lot and I had to skim through it and this was also when I was still taking that month to learn the game sure and it was like a it was a priority thing it's like cool Um, you just sent me a 15 page pdf (laughs) Um, but it was, I got the gist of what he wanted and that was the important takeaway thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but it did write me into a corner. Whereas my brother came in and he's like, he was on a ship and he showed up here. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) I was like, okay. So I got way too much over here, nothing here. And then, um, my other two players gave me a really, really good, like kind of jumping point, a reason for them to be where they were and a goal to have, um my favorite my favorite one was um connor mckinley distortion devil he plays as panic he gave me a very good like i came from this place and i'm looking for my mother and i've heard that she's here and that was the best because it was vague enough that i could you know fit it into what already existed in this story but also specific enough to really give his character drive in a way that was you know really you're able to collab really easily on it 
So it's finding that balance with your DM, like how much backstory they want. That's why you should always ask before you start a game, like go up to your DM and be like, how much backstory do you want for our characters? How much, you know, do you want us to focus more on like what's happened to us or what could happen to us? Like that sort of thing. Again, communication is is, is key. That's something but, um, also that like, I didn't really realize for a while that like mm. is so imperative to have in a game is like giving your character a very specific goal not like a very vague one of like oh I want to be a hero someday it's like cool okay <laughs> but like giving something that it's like this is an actionable goal that you can work on right now that's mm -hmm. like still kind of vague enough that it doesn't have to be like oh once i get to this place goodbye sort of a thing yeah yeah yeah. because i've played in so many games and like i've made this mistake so many times of being like yeah here's this character and they're all real cool and blah 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 and then i was like i have absolutely no idea where i want them to go <laughs> at all because <laughs> they just have I... no drive and i was like i don't know why they're here i don't know what they're doing or 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 what they want to be doing or why they're doing mm -hmm. the things i'm having them do and so that yeah. i think people don't talk about enough but it's very important the hardest thing about running a DD &D game is character motivation yep like it's it's you got to like you can't make someone care like you cannot force someone to care yep. it's impossible you cannot make someone feel like care about stuff you can't force them to do it it's impossible but you can engage them in a way that might make them care and that's like that's that's the hard part um one of the things that I think, um, at least whenever I run a game, is that, and, and this is just something, a lot of times I see people run games and it's just like they always subvert expectations in a way that punishes the players for the work that they've put in. That you know what I mean? That so bad. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And it's, it's just kind of like this player versus DM mentality where it's just like, you know, the DM will want to... You're like, oh, you came in and you came to fight the wizard. Well, turns out he wasn't here and he's killing all the villagers right now, you fools. Like, that sort of or stuff. Or something where it's like, oh, you just killed this person that everyone said was a terrible person, but then you found out that they were actually really nice and not the person you should have killed. And you're like, mm -hmm. wow, yeah. uh, that feels really bad. And, like, you can do that once and that can maybe mm -hmm. be compelling. But if you do it all the time, it's kind of like, wow, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> So the biggest thing for me is just, like, when your players do things that make you as a DM pretty happy, whether it's, you know, being a good person, like, you know, like, my players sometimes go out of their way to just help the average person for no reward. I reward them in ways that they wouldn't expect, or it comes back into play later. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that sort of thing. Like, you really want to reward your players, because, like, they won't want to do anything unless they've got something out of it. That's just the nature of, you know, wanting to adventure and whatnot. So, yeah. um, again, it's really important to think about that, too. And, and it, by having a character that has, you know, a goal in mind that can lead into that. But it's just like, you know, if, if you're like, okay, I want players to go to this place. The question is, why, where, what, and reward? Those are the four things I always think about. So, where is it obviously like where is it why do they need to go there what is there like you know creatures is there a puzzle that sort of thing or is there nothing is it you know all a ruse and then reward what do they get out of going there whether it be information whether it be money whether it be magical items whether it be a new friend like that's sort of something to think about um you know when you make a quest or a goal or, or or something like that you could you could you know you, you want to get something out of it and i think playing if you're a dm who just dms this is important to play because when you actually play you pick up on these sorts of things a bit more and you see how important they actually are as mm. a player 
Um, I think the best DMs should play, f like, not all the time, but they should play every now and again with various different DMs to pick up on, you know, when you're playing D&D, &D, what makes you really like it? Like, what makes you love doing it? And, like, what makes you want to go and do these things? Yeah. Um, I am very sorry, by the way, if I'm talking a lot. No, but this fine. is great. This is, this um, is the most educational episode we've ever had no i think it's very important this is important. the most valuable right actual, this is actual useful content we've uh, ever ever done i why well, but it is it is important and and yeah. once 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 you have a player who goes through like hell and high water to get something and they actually achieve that thing they are gonna want to do it again like they are gonna want to do it again because they know that their hard work can be rewarded yeah for what they've done what level um, are your players now oh they're level 10 i think <laughs> they are level 10. wow 10 um, after 10 in like mm -hmm. two and a half years it's milestone based so it's based off of plot so when they reach certain plot points then they level up based off of their experiences well, in the plot and stuff like that funny you mm -hmm. should bring that up because we have a question from one of your audience oh that was oh, no. that was sent in um but before we get to that, I think we need to take a moment to sell out. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Currency can be exchanged for goods and services. Oh, yeah. Would you like an ad for yourself? Shameless plug time. Oh, God. Now's the time. Oh, jeez. He does the same thing to me where he's like, all like right, to... I'm going to start on this thing. And I'm just like, ha, I don't know. I don't keeps know it, what to do keeps here. Keeps it fresh. Keeps it raw. He's so good at shilling. It's just not a, a just, forte of mine. I don't know how to take that, but okay, thanks. <laughs> well, I could, I could, I, I have one selling point for the, the Monty Glue experience. Hey kids, do you like fat frogs? Well, we've got the fattest frogs you've ever seen over at Monty Glue. I have a fat frog, and it's very important that everyone knows. <laughs> Where can I'll we find pictures. this fat frog? You can find at Monty Glue, Monty Glue on Twitter for, for prime GURPS photos from Monday to Friday. You want to see a fat orange frog? You know where to look. There it is. That's the end. Just kiss. Incredible. Just perfect. And then we put a real one in there GURPS. so we can make money. Consume. Obey. So we got a question from somebody, and they did specifically say it's for you. This is from Silas Vissing. Check out the link in the description to record your own question. All right, here we go. Hello, Proficiency Bonus. This is a question from Monty. Um, as a new player of D&D, I want to know how you treat XP and how your players level up in your campaigns. For example, the Unexpected Bonus. So... You already said you do milestone, yeah. Based level. Um, do you want to talk about why you prefer to do it that way instead of XP? And have you ever DM'd uh, with XP? I have. I've actually not DM'd with XP. I actually was a player with Joe Cat. Joe uh, Joe Cat actually was my DM, and he used XP for his game. Um, the reason why I use milestone is because we are more of a narratively driven game. We're more of the role play mm -hmm. level side of things. Um, I find it is, it promotes role play more than it promotes just, you know, grinding monsters or something like that, kind of like a yeah. video game. Um, the other thing too is my players as well. So like all the players I have in the Unexpectables, they're more on the actor side of things, they're more on the role play side of things. 
So I like the idea of rewarding level ups through role play more than rewarding level ups through just killing or, you know, going past monsters. It, it adds a certain layer of, um, you know, it adds a certain level of reward um, beyond just, you know, like getting loot. Mm -hmm. um, the other reason why I use milestone is because of, I mean, you're just saying like level 10 in two years is that's a really long time. Um, it's a really nice way to pace the stories um, as well. It's very easy to tell when a chapter to the story of the Unexpectables begins and ends because it begins with them being at level, you know, so-and-so and then ends with them being the next level up. So it's a nice way to do it. Now, on the flip side of that, the downside to that is when you have someone running a class that relies on level ups to swap out spells, um, you as a DM can come up with creative ways to actually subvert that. So for my players, uh, we have a bard and we have a, a arc arcane trickster and they can swap out spells. And we have an Eldritch Knight. I <laughs> keep forgetting. Um, so they, they usually in a normal game, if you're using experience, you swap out your spells every level up. Um, or in a pre-made adventure, you'd swap out your spells every level up. But for the Unexpectables, like, we can go, like, months without leveling up. And it actually takes longer as they get higher and higher level. So instead, um, to kind of promote their, they have a tavern. They have, like, their own home base. They can swap out their spells when they're in their home base. So whenever they're back home, they just swap out their spells then. And then once they leave, they can't swap out their spells. So that's instead of doing like, you know, by level up, it's by when they return home after an adventure or during an adventure. And that's yeah. when they can swap it out. Do you hear that, Puck? And Monty says I should be able to level up or change out my spells <laughs> every time we go back to the academy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Poor Puck. <laughs> um, the only reason that works is because they are infrequently back home. So their their big ventures are when they go out and explore. Yeah. And that can be quite a decent amount of time. And then when they come back, they can swap out. Um, it gives you enough time to actually test out if you like that spell or would use that spell at all. It also makes them, like the players who have to swap out spells at home, it makes them really think about like, okay, I'm doing this adventure. What am I going to need? Mm -hmm. Because the moment I leave this door... Like, this is what I'm stuck with until we complete this, you know, this adventure or we come back. So it adds an element of like, you know, oh, gosh, like, what do, what, what do I need right now? What do I need to, like, predict and whatnot? So um, a great example of that was our bard. Um, they were going to this castle. They, were, they needed to go to this castle and retrieve an orb as part of their quest. Um, it was very standard D&D affair, honestly. It was probably the most normal thing. Uh, one of the things that he did is he was going through his spell list and he can swap out his spells and he messaged me and he goes, hey, I want to swap out this spell with speak with plants. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> like, because I knew where they were going, there was a giant evil forest between them and their destination that actually was just a nymph. The entire forest is one thing, which was a nymph. Oh, and yeah, and I'm just like, and he had no idea. And I'm just, I'm looking at my notes, looking at like, that's the way they're going to go. Like the pathway that they've chosen is going to lead them through there. Like there's no way they can avoid this forest. It's like right in their way. And so I'm like, okay, like, you know, poker face. I'm like, okay, that sounds fine. Like, yeah, you can take speak with plants. And then the moment we ended the call, I was like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> this could be... This could be either really good or really bad. Shortest Gotta get those ever. persuasion checks down. So, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, so what happened was, and like, what happened was, is that they reached the edge of the forest and like, the, it, it was completely a stark difference. Like the forest on the outside was like normal. This forest was like 
over overgrown, way too crazy, out of control, like just wild fey nature nonsense. So what does the bard do but go, hey, I have speak with plants, puts his hand on the tree and casts speak with plants and immediately talks to the master hive mind, like instantly. Good. And there's yep. more plot relevant things relating to that because the last time, the last time there was a person there, they casted the exact same spell in the exact same way and ended up becoming the lover of the nymph. So this guy oh, can't, comes up and does the okay. exact same thing and the nymph is just like, well, this is interesting. And it's just like, no, come on in. Come on into my, my forest. Um, it was probably the scariest episode of the entire series because the entire forest was this creature yeah. and it was... Uh, fey creatures are scary. Like, Dude. fey creatures are terrifying. I love um, fey creatures so much. This thing, and this thing was very evil as well. That's so it was, but, what was that? but, you are, a but the thing was, is if he didn't have that spell, they would have just been attacked immediately. Instead, they met the character. He mm -hmm. actually appeared in front of them and actually conversed with them. Um, and it completely changed that out. So I, I do like promoting the spell swapping and stuff like that. And that, you know, he didn't know. And he, you know, picks his spells and has these different opportunities to, to use them in ways that he might have to kind of think around problems and stuff like that, which is always quite fun. But yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's, I like the milestone level up as a player too. I prefer it as well. Cause I like, I, I, it feels like a reward for ending a chapter of a story. Leveling up in the middle of something feels just kind of weird. I don't think I do I've like ever done up. XP level up. Well, like who, who, actually I, in a game. Who wants to track XP? Like, yeah, I it's a bit of a pain. Honestly, it's worse than no offense, Adventures League. But when I played Adventures yeah. League, it was pretty bad. Adventures League XP was you get a trick. different. Too. Uh, XP, treasure points, downtime. <gasps> Dude, yeah, Adventures yeah. League was my first like actual foray into playing D&D. &D, and I didn't know that going in in, in beforehand. I just like showed mm -hmm. up because they were like, yeah, we have sessions at this tabletop store. So I was like okay i'll go there and then at the end of the session they was like okay so here's your sheet and you have to fill all this and i was like uh you're like know oh a text any, form cool i don't know what any of this is and the thing also that sucked the reason that i am not a fan of adventurers league is specifically because it is very rigid of like you have to follow the module like mm -hmm, at least yeah. at least the at least the dm that i had obviously there can be different ones and, and not to say that like the dm was like bad or or you know like malicious or anything like that he was, he was a very nice guy it was just one of those things where um where like me and another person or or just other people in general any of us would want to go do something and it's like well these are the three things that you can do yeah you're in the of, book so you have is, to do them um, that is where railroading definitely gets rough as an adventure league and it's not the dm's fault they don't they have, have a choice yeah, they have and to it do sucks that. and you can tell i can tell when like they look at me and they're like please don't try and go off the rails and it's just like oh okay but um and that sucks because like, it's like if i wanted to play a video game i'd be playing a video game i, yeah. I, can understand, I think adventures league oh sorry go ahead i, saying, go I can ahead, understand sorry. the need for it because like they want it to be that you can hop into a game everywhere and it'll mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. be fine but that as a concept like being able to save your game and pick it back up, it just doesn't really work for D and D. If you want to have a consistent campaign with a group, it's got to be with the same group of people. Right. I think I think I like some of the elements of a of Adventures League because I I do like the idea that you know you you 
you play in Adventures League, you can take your character to events, or you can take your character yeah. to other Adventures League games. I think that mechanic is amazing. Yeah. I think that's really, really being cool. Being able to go to a con um, and being like, I have these two magical items, and I can prove it, check my number on the website. Yeah, 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 yeah. there it is. Um, the other issue I had with Adventures League were just like, um, you know, it wasn't a great way to have a role-playing experience because no. of these limitations right. and these it's reasons. Right, it's very much so like, that is something that is regimented mm -hmm. where you track XP, and you track... Yep a yeah. million other things and you uh, i i just it was just some one of those things where it was like yo i can i can play a video game and the video game will do all of this for me and yeah. uh and i and, and and i'll just play and it'll probably be a more compelling story <laughs> i went to two sessions of adventures league at my local game store and yeah at the end they're like ah oh, here's all your points and i was just like now to stay at level 1 i'm fine i I played Ravenloft and Adventures League, which was great. That was probably the best experience I've ever had, actually playing a hardcover. Mm -hmm. um, the DM was really good. The, the party we had was really good. And as much as the Magic the Gathering players were loud, it was still a really fun experience. Um, and I think that's to the praise of the book of, of, of Curse of Strahd, mm -hmm. I think, as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great, um, it's it's a great, great module. It's a great module. It, I still talk about it to this day. I mean, we got to like level five in that module. Like, and every fight was you did like the cross over your chest and you prayed because <laughs> your character, like, it was like, it is a, fights it is and, a meat grinder, man. <laughs> fights and Strahd was just like, okay, well, time to think of my, you know, new character I'm probably going to have to make. Cause... What I've heard is it's just basically, you, oh, you just try let... not to fight. Oh, yeah, you it's, don't want to fight. It, like, the moment you're rolling for initiative, yeah. like you need to start writing your 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 obituary and your will and testament. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we, it was it was for that reason in Adventures League that we actually became really close players because I remember we fought our first enemy, which was Strahd Armor, and it hit my Goliath fighter, and I used Stone's Endurance to reduce the hit point damage, and I went down to 2 HP, which was ridiculous. That was enough to one-shot and kill our Warlock, and the Warlock player grabbed my arm and went, ah! like, screamed <laughs> out loud in the shop and grabbed my arm and was, like, freaking out. And so for the rest of Strahd, like, we were, like, it was, like, 007 meets, like, Charlie's Angels back-to-back, -back, like, swords out every step of the way. Oh we utilized the Oreo stuffed position, which is where we had our paladin in the front, <laughs> me in the back, and the warlock in the middle. And, like, and then we got our rogue, and it was the double stuffed Oreo position, because the rogue was in the middle with the warlock. But it was, like, these moments made it really, like enjoyable for an Adventures League experience because, like, the game... I mean, Curse of Straw was so solid and was an open-ended hardcover. Mm -hmm. The where I began to have issues with Adventures League was with the little, like, one-session, one-off modules. Those just... I didn't... I was never engaged with those. Mm. And the other issue, too, was also a lot of the players just became mid-maxers because the role-playing wasn't really yeah. valued that much. So then the other value became... The combat. Effective and, yeah. characters and making these really broken characters. What made it even worse is that um, they changed the way in which you got magical items, correct? Like, you would basically unlock magical items which you can then buy with points. I think treasure points, yeah. essentially. I think I And what happened... What happened was is that people who were doing adventures, they would look up specific adventures for specific items. They would make a specific character to get that specific item, yeah. and then they would make broken characters as a result. And that's that's why I left because I'm just like, okay, I'm seeing what this is, checking and I'm the, like, I'll checking the strat guide to yeah, figure out which quest you got to go on to get the. I think 
I think it's good just to try. Like, I think everyone should try Adventures League once. Yeah. No, I definitely um, I, I think... went because I wanted to get a sense of like what it is because people talk about it mm-hmm. so much. Um, and I did. And mm-hmm. I mean, I went because I didn't nice. have any other option. Like, I didn't have anyone to play D anD D with, so I, I was like, mm. well, before I ended up in this making a show thing, I didn't know Adventures League was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing you could do. Mm-hmm. I, so I didn't I, either until I got there, and at the end of a session, they handed me a piece of I paper. I feel like that's part of the problem is that the people who would like, in, unless you walk into a game store and ask, if you're not in the D and D or the tabletop community, you're not going to know it exists. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It became more advertised as time has gone on. Like they have signages up in the, at least the Canadian shops here. They have signs mm-hmm. up in the shop like saying, "Hey, we have Adventures League on this day." But in terms of, you know, who's actually running the games, that becomes a bit of a complicated beast at that point. Yeah. See, so, like, but it is... in, in shops here, the only stuff I would ever see is that it's like, yeah, uh, Tabletop Night is on, like, we have our store open mm-hmm. late on Wednesday nights or whatever. It was always Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> there would be, like, a D&D game or two, and then mostly Magic or Open Tables. There were, it was, if, it, if you wanted to come in with your D&D group and run your own game at one of their tables, you could do that. Like, they, they were totally mm. fine with that um but you couldn't advertise that as like a game that you were putting on for anyone but i just remember the only the most fun i had at that game was like the first time i was there i didn't actually play i just watched everyone play and they all because like i guess they had showed up late and they weren't actually really no one was really ready for like the session they all spent like an hour, hour and a half building level 20 characters with, like, legendary items. And, oh, then, and then just, like, had a big combat. And then that was it. And it was really fun to just be like, oh, my God. What is all that of this? And that was the first time I had really actually, like, seen people play D&D. So I'm like, f- you know, fresh little flower over here. Everyone's doing, like these legendary items with their level 20 characters and i was like this is a lot <laughs> oh man level 20 characters oh, oh I, down okay sweat i think we're gonna have to save discussion of level 20 characters for the next episode because we've been going for a while we've got oh a, that's fine i, a I, lot I have of nothing to info. say about that um but i thank you monty for being here sounds like you got more to say you want to hang out for another episode yeah, sure. I, I'm good for another episode. I'm, I'm I'm here for however long you need me. I hope I'm not gabbing on too much, but it, I'm having a good time talking no, about this stuff. No, fantastic. And... I mean, like, look, compared to everything else that we've put out on the airwaves, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that the view, or the listeners are going to enjoy this. Let us know by leaving a comment wherever you're listening. This is the Proficiency Bonus Podcast. Uh, you can find us wherever you're listening to now. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode. And also in a few weeks... Maybe a month. I don't know if we got to set an exact date, but we're going to have another special guest coming through. Ooh, um, so fancy. Make sure you're following us on Twitter to keep up with the news of that. What is that Twitter handle, Nandari? Uh, our Twitter handle is at Probopod. So come over and check us out and ask us questions because yes. it's important. You can leave questions there or if you check the description of the episode you're listening to, there is a link there where you can record a question like the person you heard today. Um, thank you very much to them for sending that in. And where can they find more of you, Faye? Oh, God, I don't have my thing up. Oh, no. I, oh, God, I thought it was just Mandari I... everywhere. 
Yeah, it is just Mandari everywhere. It's Mandari on everything. Uh, Mandari TTV on Instagram, but Mandari on Twitter and Twitch and YouTube, which I'm annoyed that I should be able to get a custom URL, but they won't let me have one yet. I don't know what the fuck that's about, <laughs> but that'll happen soon, hopefully. So YouTube's been yes. busted lately. Dude, it's so I, annoying. M-E-N-D-A-R-I-I. -I, you never tell people how to spell it. And I'm so it sorry. There are two I's. It's like men and then dare without an E and then two I's. And I am Jonathan, also known as the Madmaker on Twitch. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Madmaker. Also check out my D&D shows that I produce over on twitch.tv slash mercs of mischief. And of course, our guest, Monty. Where's the best Hi. place to reach out to you, find your stuff? Uh, you can find me at Monteglu on Twitter. Uh, if you want to see uh, the D&D stuff we get up to, uh, check out twitch.tv forward slash The Unexpectables. Uh, we have a bunch of shows running there and some art stuff that we do there as well. And then if you want to see me just yell at video games and talk about random stuff, uh, like Fat Frogs, if that's your <laughs> cup of tea, uh, you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash Monteglu. I stream Thursdays and Sundays. That's nice. fantastic. So, actually, yeah, absolutely. If you haven't checked that out yet, make sure you check that out. So if you're looking for other podcasts, The Unexpectables is available as a podcast in all yeah. the normal places that you would find podcasts as well. Um, so until next time, I'm Jonathan. I'm Faye. And we are enthusiasts, not experts. And you don't have to be either. All right, we over. We, that was hey, that was probably our best one yet, though. Oh my god, it's okay. You can cut out the little middle part that right? I will make it sound like you responded real quick. Monty, isn't he great at like all this like shilling stuff at the end? He's like, I'm so oh, put yeah, together. So good. Oh my god, it's just so me all these things. Oh my ego. Um, you should you should you should extend the pause between the things. Just make it even longer. Um. So until next time, I'm Jonathan. I'm Faye.